Part One of The Wheel of Time. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wales. The Wheel of Time by Henry James. Part One. And your daughter, said Lady Grayswood, tell me about her. She must be nice. Oh, yes, she's nice enough. She's a great comfort mrs knocker hesitated a moment and then she went on unfortunately she's not good-looking not a bit oh, that doesn't matter when they're not ill-natured rejoined insincerely lady grayswood who had the remains of a great beauty oh but poor fanny is quite extraordinarily plain i assure you it does matter she knows it herself she suffers from it it's the sort of thing that makes a great difference in a girl's life but if she's charming if she's clever said lady grayswood with more benevolence than logic i've known plain women who were liked do you mean me my dear her old friend straightforwardly inquired but i'm not so awfully liked you lady grayswood exclaimed why you're grand i'm not so repulsive as i was when i was young perhaps but that's not saying much as when you were young laughed lady grayswood you sweet thing you are young i thought india dried people up oh when you're a mummy to begin with mrs knocker returned with her trick of self-abasement of course i've not been such a fool as to keep my children there my girl is clever she continued but she's afraid to show it therefore you may judge whether with her unfortunate appearance she's charming she shall show it to me you must let me do everything for her does that include finding her a husband i should like her to show it to someone who'll marry her i'll marry her said lady grayswood who was handsomer than ever when she laughed and looked capable what a blessing to meet you this way on the threshold of home i give you notice that i shall cling to you but that's what i meant that's the thing the want of beauty makes so difficult as if it were not difficult enough at the best my dear child one meets plenty of ugly women with husbands lady grayswood argued and often with very nice ones yes mine is very nice there are men who don't mind one's face for whom beauty isn't indispensable but they are rare i don't understand them if i'd been a man about to marry i should have gone in for looks however the poor child will have something mrs knocker continued lady grayswood rested thoughtful eyes on her do you mean she'll be well off we shall do everything we can for her we're not in such misery as we used to be we've managed to save in india strange to say and six months ago my husband came into money more than we had ever dreamed of by the death of his poor brother we feel quite opulent it's rather nice and we should expect to do something decent for our daughter i don't mind its being known it shall be known said lady grayswood getting up leave the dear child to me the old friends embraced for the porter of the hotel had come in to say that the carriage ordered for her ladyship was at the door they had met in paris by the merest chance in the court of an inn after a separation of years just as lady grayswood was going home she had been to aix les bains 
early in the season and was resting on her way back to england mrs knocker and the general bringing their eastern exile to a close had arrived only the night before from marseilles and were to wait in paris for their children a tall girl and two younger boys who inevitably dissociated from their parents had been for the past two years with a devoted aunt their father's maiden sister at heidelberg the reunion of the family was to take place with jollity in paris whither this good lady was now hurrying with her drilled and demoralized charges mrs knocker had come to england to see them two years before and the period at heidelberg had been planned during this visit with the termination of her husband's service a new life opened before them all and they had plans of comprehensive rejoicing for the summer plans involving however a continuance for a few months of useful foreign opportunities during which various questions connected with the organization of a final home in england were practically to be dealt with there was to be a salubrious house on the continent taken in some neighbourhood that would both yield a stimulus to plain fanny's french her german was much commended and permit of frequent running over for the general with these preoccupations mrs knocker after her delightful encounter with lady greyswood was less keenly conscious of the variations of destiny than she had been when at the age of twenty that intimate friend of her youth beautiful lovable and about to be united to a nobleman of ancient name was brightly almost insolently alienated the less attractive of the two girls had married only several years later and her marriage had perhaps emphasized the divergence of their ways to-day however the inequality as mrs knocker would have phrased it rather dropped out of the impression produced by the somewhat wasted and faded dowager exquisite still but unexpectedly appealing who made no secret an attempt that in an age of such publicity would have been useless of what she had had in vulgar parlance to put up with or of her having been left badly off she had spoken of her children she had had no less than six but she had evidently thought it better not to speak of her husband that somehow made up on mrs knocker's part for some ancient aches it was not till a year after this incident that one day in london in her little house in queen street lady greyswood said to her third son morris the one she was fondest of the one who on his own side had given her most signs of affection i don't see what there is for you but to marry a girl of a certain fortune oh that's not my line i may be an idiot but i'm not mercenary the young man declared he was not an idiot but there was an examination rather stiff indeed to which without success he had gone up twice the diplomatic service was closed to him by this catastrophe nothing else appeared particularly open he was terribly at leisure there had been a theory none the less that he was the ablest of the family two of his brothers had been squeezed into the army and had declared rather crudely that they would do their best to keep morris out they were not put to any trouble in this respect however as he professed a complete indifference to the trade of arms his mother who was vague about everything except the idea that people ought to like him if only for his extraordinary good looks 
thought it strange there shouldn't be some opening for him in political life or something to be picked up even in the city but no bustling borough solicited the advantage of his protection no eminent statesman in want of a secretary took him by the hand no great commercial house had been keeping a stool for him morris in a word was not approached from any quarter and meanwhile he was as irritating as the intending traveller who allows you the pleasure of looking out his railway connections poor lady greyswood fumbled the social bradshaw in vain the young man had only one marked taste with which his mother saw no way to deal an invincible passion for photography he was perpetually taking shots at his friends but she couldn't open premises for him in baker street he smoked endless cigarettes she was sure they made him languid she would have been more displeased with him if she had not felt so vividly that some one ought to do something for him nevertheless she almost lost patience at his remark about not being mercenary she was on the point of asking him what he called it to live on his relations but she checked the words as she remembered that she herself was the only one who did much for him nevertheless as she hated open professions of disinterestedness she replied that that was a nonsensical tone whatever one would get in such a way one would give quite as much even if it didn't happen to be money and when he inquired in return what it was beyond the disgrace of his failures that she judged a fellow like him would bring to his bride she replied that he would bring himself his personal qualities she didn't like to be more definite about his appearance his name his descent his connections good honest commodities all for which any girl of proper feeling would be glad to pay such a name as that of the glanvilles was surely worth something and she appealed to him to try what he could do with it surely i can do something better with it than sell it said morris i should like then very much to hear what she replied very calmly waiting reasonably for his answer she waited to no purpose the question baffled him like those of his examinations she explained that she meant of course that he should care for the girl who might easily have a worse fault than the command of bread and butter to humour her for he was always good-natured he said after a moment smiling dear mother is she pretty is who pretty the young lady you have in your eye of course i see you've picked her out she coloured slightly at this she had planned a more gradual revelation for an instant she thought of saying that she had only had a general idea for the form of his question embarrassed her but on reflection she determined to be frank and practical well i confess i am thinking of a girl a very nice one but she hasn't great beauty oh then it's of no use but she's delightful and she'll have thirty thousand pounds down to say nothing of expectations morris glanville looked at his mother she must be hideous for you to admit it therefore if she's rich she becomes quite impossible for how can a fellow have the air of having been bribed with gold to marry a monster fanny knocker isn't the least a monster and i can see that she'll improve she's tall and she's quite strong and there's nothing at all disagreeable about her 
remember that you can't have everything i thought you contended that i could said morris amused at his mother's description of her young friend's charms he had never heard any one damned as regards that sort of thing with fainter praise he declared that he would be perfectly capable of marrying a poor girl but that the prime necessity in any young person he should think of would be the possession of a face to put it at the least that it would give him positive pleasure to look at i don't ask for much but i do ask for beauty he went on my eye must be gratified i must have a wife i can photograph lady greyswood was tempted to answer that he himself had good looks enough to make a handsome couple but she withheld the remark as injudicious though effective for it was a part of her son's amiability that he appeared to have no conception of his plastic side he would have been disgusted if she had put it forward if he had the ideal he had just described it was not because his own profile was his standard what she herself saw in it was a force for coercing heiresses she had however to be patient and she promised herself to be adroit which was all the easier as she really liked fanny knocker the girl's parents had at last taken a house in ennismore gardens and the friend of her mother's youth had been confronted with the question of redeeming the pledges uttered in paris this unsophisticated and united family with relations to visit and schoolboys holidays to outlive had spent the winter in the country and had but lately begun to talk of itself extravagantly of course through mrs knocker's droll lips as open to social attentions lady greyswood had not been false to her vows she had on the contrary recognized from the first that if he could only be made to see it fanny knocker would be just the person to fill out poor morris's blanks she had kept this confidence to herself but it had made her very kind to the young lady one of the forms of this kindness had been an ingenuity in keeping her from coming to queen street until morris should have been prepared was he to be regarded as prepared now that he asserted he would have nothing to do with miss knocker this was a question that worried lady greyswood who at any rate said to herself that she had told him the worst her idea had been to sound her old friend only after the young people should have met and fanny should have fallen in love such a catastrophe for fanny belonged for lady greyswood to that order of convenience that she could always take for granted she had found the girl as she expected ugly and awkward but had also discovered a charm of character in her intelligent timidity no one knew better than this observant woman how thankless a task in general it was in london to take out a plain girl she had seen the nicest creatures in the brutality of balls participate only through wistful almost tearful eyes her little drawing-room at intimate hours had been shaken by the confidences of desperate mothers none the less she felt sure that fanny's path would not be rugged thirty thousand pounds were a fine set of features and her anxiety was rather on the score of the expectations of the young lady's parents mrs knocker had dropped remarks suggestive of a high imagination of the conviction that there might be a real efficacy in what they were doing for their daughter 
the danger in other words might well be that no younger son need apply a possibility that made lady greyswood take all her precautions the acceptability of her favourite child was consistent with the rejection of those of other people on which indeed it even directly depended she remembered on the other hand the proverb about taking your horse to the water the crystalline spring of her young friend's homage might overflow but she couldn't compel her boy to drink the clever way was to break down his prejudice to get him to consent to give poor fanny a chance therefore if she was careful not to worry him she let him see her project as something patient and deeply wise she had the air of waiting resignedly for the day on which in the absence of other solutions he would say to her well let me have a look at my fate meanwhile moreover she was nothing if not conscientious and as she had made up her mind about the girl's susceptibility she had a scruple against exposing her this exposure would not be justified so long as morris's theoretic rigour should remain unabated she felt virtuous in carrying her scruple to the point of rudeness she knew that jane knocker wondered why though so attentive in a hundred ways she had never definitely included the poor child in any invitations to queen street there came a moment when it gave her pleasure to suspect that her old friend had begun to explain this omission by the idea of a positive exaggeration of good faith an honest recognition of the detrimental character of the young man in ambush there as morris though much addicted to kissing his mother at home never dangled about her in public he had remained a mythical figure to mrs knocker he had been absent culpably there was a touch of the inevitable incivility in it on each of the occasions on which after their arrival in london she and her husband dined with lady greyswood this astute woman knew that her delightful jane was whimsical enough to be excited good-humouredly by a mystery she might very well want to make morris's acquaintance in just the degree in which she guessed that his mother's high sense of honour kept him out of the way moreover she desired intensely that her daughter should have the sort of experience that would help her to take confidence lady greyswood knew that no one had as yet asked the girl to dinner and that this particular attention was the one for which her mother would be most grateful no sooner had she arrived at these illuminations than with deep diplomacy she requested the pleasure of the company of her dear jane and the general mrs knocker accepted with delight she always accepted with delight so that nothing remained for lady greyswood but to make sure of morris in advance after this was done she had only to wait when the dinner on a day very near at hand took place she had jumped at the first evening on which the knockers were free she had the gratification of seeing her prevision exactly fulfilled her whimsical jane had thrown the game into her hands had been taken at the very last moment with one of her indian headaches and infinitely apologetic and explanatory had hustled poor fanny off with the general the girl flurried and frightened by her responsibility sat at dinner next to morris who behaved beautifully 
not in the least as the victim of a trick and when a fortnight later lady greyswood was able to divine that her mind from that evening had been filled with a virginal ecstasy she was also fortunately able to feel serenely delightfully guiltless End of part one